Jamie. And I'm Nikisha, and this is Talking Horror with Jamie. And Nikisha. Where we share our love for spooky things and talk horror through the lens of human behavior. Welcome, everyone. Welcome. I love you have the guns this time. It's like a, you know, confetti popping out of my arms. Like like gender reveal, like confetti type Yes, but, you know, nothing causing damage to the environment because they're my hands. I will say, I will say, you two have gotten way more, like, gesticulation hand-like animated now that you know for a fact these are going on YouTube. (laughs) I love it. It's great. We got to give them the handography, you know. Yeah. Ooh. Handography. This is the specialty. (laughs) Sorry, (laughs) podcast listeners. Truly was about to say the same thing. You got to watch us on YouTube to see all the fun stuff. (laughs) Well, today is going to be a doozy of a day because we are talking about the 2022 American psychological horror film, Orphan First Kill. Can I see? Is that me? It's very good. I'm Anna. What's your name? Lena. You didn't answer me before. Do your parents work here? Why would you think that? Because you're... And what? You just have to do the voice with it. Like, orphan, first kill. It's like a video game. Yeah, like, finish him. Yes, and Mortal Kombat is my jam. If y'all don't know, now you know. I love Mortal Kombat. And if they had an orphan (laughs) as one of the avatars for Mortal Kombat, that would be fantastic. If you... Okay. I want a Mortal Kombat game or like a Street Fighter game where you can choose like slasher horror villains. Like, yes. Like to watch like <laughs> Esther go up against like <laughs> Valak. Like Esther versus oh, Valak. Fight. <laughs> and Valak is just throwing Bibles at Esther. Yeah. Or like, like um, crosses like ninja stars. <laughs> Wait, what would, what would Esther's thing be? Uh, Oh. I don't know. Like maybe you get like dizzy from the black light. <laughs> oh. I feel like she or would like have paint kind of, supplies. Yes, or like an Ant Man thing because she's already her thing is that she looks like she's smaller and she's not. Mm. She could oh, get sure. Smaller and get into your body and destroy things. Yeah, maybe she's super fast too. Yes. Oh man. <laughs> oh, I love Somebody this. needs to make this happen for us. Slash, give us the money for the in the credit for thinking of this. So yes, <laughs> thank you. But thank Nikisha, you. I, I do want to say, I mean, if you're watching us on YouTube, uh, your spooky background is pretty spooky. We love a spooky background. You just go on YouTube, find Halloween themed background, and it'll run <laughs> one for eight hours. At a time. <laughs> I love it. 
Amazing. So Orphan First Kill is directed by William Brent Bell and written by David Coggenshaw. And this movie stars the orphan herself, Isabel Furman, <laughs> Julia Stiles, she's not dancing, Rosef no. Sutherland, <laughs> and Matthew Finland. Was <laughs> that the hop? Yeah, what's her dancing? Save the last dance? The hop? Save the hop. <laughs> she does the hop. Oh my god. Oh. Oh, it's such a uh, <laughs> like the worst, the greatest worst movie. Um, but oh my god, me and my friends were obsessed with that stupid dance. We tried to learn the choreography. So oh, it's so embarrassing. I only watched it for the first time during the pandemic on Jamie's suggestion. She's like, "You have never seen Save the Last Dance," so I watched it for the first time. The only scene I'd ever seen was her audition scene from that movie. <gasps> of course. Yeah. Because of social media. <laughs> 100 Wait, Can I ask, is that is that what it's like to to do a dance audition? Nikisha. At Juilliard. Absolutely not. <laughs> First off, you're you're a dance major, but you're specifying in in a certain dance. And I would I would like to say she was doing a myriad of dance styles, but even then, that hop. What style is that? Are we hip hop? <laughs> Are we modern? I don't know. I don't know which one that is. But I don't think I, I would personally have put her into the program. But you know, movie magic. That's yes. what we're gonna chop mm-hmm. that up to. Is but, movie magic? Yeah, that definite movie magic. That's like, <laughs> oh man. Wait, but you're back on. Speaking of like theater and stuff, you're back on yes. tour. I am. I'm back with Hamilton now as. Eliza, so it's fun that's time. amazing. Uh, I'm excited. I start on Tuesday. I don't know what that date is because I don't know dates anymore. Because I'm back on the road, and mm-hmm. when you're on the road, there's no sense of time and space. <laughs> you just go to the next city, and the only constant thing is Hamilton. So check out the Hamilton schedule, and you might see me up there being Eliza. Guys, come say hi. <laughs> that's cool. That's really cool. Yes. As fun times. Well, okay, I have to get us on this orphan train because I personally have so many questions about this whole thing. So obviously heavy spoilers ahead for Orphan First Kill and probably the first orphan as well because you have to talk about both of them and the relationship with both of them because this is the prequel to the 2009 orphan movie. Now, Jamie, tell us what the trigger warnings are because – there's a lot happening here. Uh, yeah, there's a there's a <laughs> lot. There's a lot going on. Um, I mean, there is a uh, you know consistent. We're consistent. There's more insides on the outside mm. um, for sure that are happening. There's some uh, reference to child murder. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, some more of that. There's but there is also adult murdering. That we are that we are observing in this, lots of blood spatter, lots of blood spatter, lots, lots of blood spatter after she like cleans herself up. That just annoyed me. <laughs> Maybe that's not a trigger warning as much as an annoyance warning. Maybe we should that's we'll, we'll the, consider the, that. Yes, the, the likes and gripes. That's that's one of the the things. But before we get heavy heavy into it producer Brian can you give us some some words of wisdom oh yeah just general housekeeping um, you're talking about general housekeeping right I am but if okay. you also want to give us words of wisdom okay. please do that as well <laughs> so first I have to do general housekeeping um, 
Then next I will say, uh, yeah, we talked about ready. Follow us on YouTube. Subscribe. Uh, the videos are going up there. Um, super fun. You can see our backgrounds and our faces. If you're on YouTube now, hello. Hi. Um, some other things that you can do um, are you can subscribe to us on all podcasting uh, podcatchers there, um, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google. Um, and then, of course, follow us on all social media at TalkHorrorPod. Um, we just got to 5,000 followers on TikTok. Anyone who listens to this and follows us on TikTok, thank you so much. We have so much fun there. Um, I haven't posted them yet, but I've been uh, watching through all the Friday the 13th movies. And Jamie and I together have been watching through all the um, Nightmare on Elm Street movies. So my mini reviews will be on there sooner rather than later. What a wild ride those two French, those two chains are. <laughs> and they're yes. so wildly different. It's fantastic. Um, yeah, that's it. Thank you. Love it. <laughs> General out. Yes. Uh, fantastic. So is there any other new things that y'all have watched this week before we get into so, this? So something magical happened. Oh, God. We watched Orphan this week. Mm-hmm. And about 20 minutes into the movie, I said out loud, oh, I've never seen this. What? <laughs> I know the twist. Yeah, I've seen the final 10 minutes of the movie, probably on like Watch Mojo or something like that. For sure, for sure. But I had absolutely never seen that movie. I did not oh. know that the kids were so involved in that movie. I did not like no, I didn't know about all of the trauma that the mother and father were going through, mm-hmm. like in addition to what was happening to, um, you know, adopting Esther and stuff like that. I I really thought I'd seen it. I truly convinced myself that I had seen the original orphan movie, but I had not at all. Oh. <laughs> yeah. That was my, this is my first time watching orphan knowing I had never seen the movie, not knowing the twist, of course. Um, yeah. but don't worry. Uh, I got double the twist shock in the second one, um, <laughs> which we'll talk about. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to put that out there that we watched orphan. Um, yeah. I had never seen it before. Um, this week I watched, um, Friday the 13th part two. Um, mm. And then Jamie and I watched the black phone in preparation for our episode. Oh, beautiful. Mm-hmm. That's, that's so wild. I definitely watched orphan maybe only about two times. I remember the first time I watched it, I wasn't too thrilled about it, but I watched it again right before I watched uh first kill. And I just thought, oh, I'm so happy we're doing this <laughs> for the podcast purposes. <laughs> just watching and also just watching things through the lens of this podcast, it just makes such a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, but I definitely mm-hmm. enjoyed this watch, my third watch of Orphan than the first two times. I appreciated it a lot mm. more. And it was nice to watch that and go directly into uh, the the second one. So it's been four hours of Esther, Lena, whatever her real name is for me. And (laughs) I got questions. Uh, But we do need to do a plot summary of of Orphan First Kill. So who's the first kill? Who's up? Oh, please let me do it. I really want to do this one. (laughs) Watch the plot. Exciting time. Yes, I will time you. Prepare yourself. All right. All right, indeed. So, producer Brian, you have two minutes on the clock. Are you ready, sir? No. 
(laughs) (laughs) Well, you better be. So tell us, Brian, what happened in Orphan, First Kill, and Go? We open in Estonia, 2007, (laughs) at the Sarn Institute, which we learned about from the first film. Um, We basically find out how Esther escaped with the help by accident of an art teacher who makes... Every possible poor decision that you could make in a situation like that will get into mm-hmm. her, of course. And then um, she eventually finds her way um, to Russia, um, where she convinces everybody after Googling, you know, missing American girls, uh, American girl dolls. Um, <laughs> she essentially finds herself um, being um, brought back to Amer- brought quote brought back to America to be with a very wealthy Connecticut family whose daughter had gone missing. Um, really is following like the first movie plot we're just kind of like mm-hmm. it's like it's fine whatever and then um halfway through twist that daughter was never disappeared she was killed by her brother and her mother julia styles helped to cover that up so now basically orphan esther becomes the victim of them so the tables have turned a little bit so now esther's still a psychomaniac um, and, and, but she's with other psychomaniacs. They're mm-hmm. all doing this so that they can have the father can be like, um, they're basically tricking the father to avoid him finding any about anything about this. Um, and, and this is where Esther learns how to do the blacklight painting and all of that stuff. Long story short, they find out, um, um, she burns the house down, uh, and then they all fall off the roof. And then Esther is ready to be adopted once again into the world of orphan. Yeah, not Good bad. Job. You got ten seconds left. Oh, I have ten seconds left. Um, there's a police officer who figures it out and uh, gets shot because he figured it out. There's a. We'll talk about. Is there a bad? Is she a bad therapist? Is she a good therapist? That's I don't it. know. Yeah, Orphan first kill. Oh. <laughs> Although Miss Nomer, not her first kill. I said the same thing. <laughs> This it said that this is orphan first kill, and the fact that in the 2007 Estonia whatever whatevers, when she's in the asylum, they say, "Oh, she already pretended to be a child, yes, and burned down a family." So is this like American first kill? Because maybe that's what it needs to be. Well, also, orphan American first kill. So I took extensive <laughs> notes. This is that's. A- Nikisha, we should have watched this together, the three yes. of us, because quite frankly, n- Jamie and I took extensive notes uh, during mm-hmm. um, Orphan, the first one, because mm-hmm. in Orphan, a couple things were mentioned. One, um, um, in the, one of the previous houses that she was in were the Sullivans. Yes. The Sullivans was a family where the house got burned down, all that stuff when the dad would rejected her or whatnot. They found someone with like a scissor in their jaw. Like all of there's a the the Sullivan family fire. Um, mm-hmm. My question is, the Sullivans I'm assuming are between this first kill and uh, the um, uh, the Vera Farmiga family, mm. right? <sighs> yeah, I don't know because by the time she gets to Vera Farmiga's uh, family, that book has a whole bunch of different men pictures mm, in, in, it. in it. Yeah. So but but that also was technically 
what, 2009? I mean, so I guess it, it could be because she got yeah, to the first family it seems pretty, seven. These seem it like could work. quick turnovers, I guess. Murder, murder turnovers. Yeah. But then, <laughs> but then if it is that quick of murder turnovers, shouldn't somebody have been suspicious by like the third, fourth murder while she's in that orphan house? You know yeah. what I mean? I mean, maybe the Sullivans. I'm mean, I actually got your the your pumpkins behind you got much more smoky. It freaked me out oh, for yeah, a second. Um, <laughs> but also, were the Sullivans pre Sarn Institute? I don't know. Well, they didn't did say they it by say, name. Did they, well, did they say the Sullivans were in America or yeah. overseas? Sullivan has to be an upscale family that's her mo seems to be upscale families in right. america because they have way more behind the scenes issues that distract from the fact that she's a uh a grown woman um yes. and we'll talk about that too well, but yes. um yeah uh so then uh, I, I would agree with you the sullivans would be in between julia styles and vera formiga okay yes cool I'll, I'll i'll do that well let's get into it so first segment of this is likes and gripes <laughs> And now our likes and gripes. We're already talking about our gripes with the timeline of, of this, or trying to clarify the timeline. But Jamie, start us off with, with some of your likes and gripes of this movie. Yeah. Um, and I will say I, I have seen this movie before, unlike mm. Brian, um, yes. a few <laughs> times. So I did know what was going on. I knew the twist. Uh, the first one, I mean, not this yes, one. This right, one right. was new. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I mean, I was like, all right, Esther, show us what you got. Mm-hmm. Um, the, okay. <laughs> I'm just going to start off. I can't, I can't, I cannot. When there is a patient from that psychiatric hospital. Why is there always somebody fucking mopping who's also a patient <laughs> from the hospital? Mm-hmm, what mm-hmm, is mm-hmm. going on? Like, why? Where does this come from? Why are right. they like, what is the purpose of this? Is this like to to encourage like, you know, doing activities of, of daily living? I, I have no idea. But there's always someone mopping in every <laughs> single hospital, in every horror film. And for some reason, it's also always a patient, a patient which makes yeah. me more upset because I feel like they're taking advantage of somebody. Why are they mopping? What yeah. needs to be mopped? How many bodily <laughs> fluids are like out and about all of like I have never seen so much mopping than I ever do in horror films in hospitals like I don't get it I I don't know why it just like it was the first thing that I saw and I think I already started off with Brian remembers I was just like why is this a thing why do they do this yes um the second that that they showed the Sarn Institute I was like oh we're in for it there's gonna be some wild stuff in here exactly um So that's my first gripe. And then my second one comes immediately after where my note is literally, why would this dummy art therapist take this job? What the hell? That is a direct quote from my notes. Yes. I I do not understand. Like the second she walks into this building, she looks like a deer in headlights. Yeah. Like why is she taking this job if she doesn't even understand the population that is supposedly like being served by this institute. Like mm-hmm. I, her, she was just so confused and like in shock the whole time. And I was like, didn't you, you accepted a job here. Like, did they not tell you what the job was? Like right. you should know this at, at this moment. 
Um, maybe not the part about like how you're replacing someone who was murdered by a patient, <laughs> but also I feel like that should also have been disclosed uh, yes. prior to accepting this role. But yes. I was like, this person has no idea what what like A from B is. Like Mm-mm. she, Mm-mm. it was just like wildly frustrating. And even I, in my in my studies as a young social pre-licensed social worker knew what I was getting into in my internships. Like I worked Mm. in a behavioral health hospital in a very underserved community. There was all kinds of shenanigans happening there, but I knew that because I knew what I was getting into as a, as a person who's supposed to get paid for that job. Like I just don't, I I truly can't. And then my second no was literally this therapist is a dummy. (laughs) I like couldn't, I couldn't handle her between like, I mean, I truly couldn't handle her with this job. But then every decision she makes is just like the opposite decision that normal human people make. Like she gets into her car. She sees Lena slash Esther. She gets out of her car. You drive away. Why are you getting out of your car? It's also a blizzard. So it's like cold. Like stay in the warmth of your car. Why are your car doors locked? Why is it your trunk locked? Nothing makes sense sense. about any – I was like, how did she even get – like a degree in, in being an art therapist. She's too stupid to like function. I just like didn't even understand how she was a human person. Um, and then drives home and then like, doesn't fully lock her car when she parks it, opens the door, her trunk open. open. She just like leaves her door open. Like every single decision that this person makes is, is actually just not real life. And so the therapist gets a zero out of 10 for me for real life people <laughs> yes. um, and, and real life people decisions. Um, she wasn't people in the people. No, she was not peopling. Um, some other thing, I mean, things that didn't surprise, well, I was surprised that this family was like wildly wealthy, but I guess in the first one, they're not like, they don't, I don't think they talk about being specifically wealthy in the first one, but their house is, is like huge. very yeah. nice. Yes. And I, I mean, I'm assuming that they are like very well off. How, how on earth is Lena Esther finding these like very rich families to take advantage of? Like, it's like through sheer luck. She, yeah, she's not like she doing know. anything. Yeah. This right. should be called orphan pure luck because <laughs> because she ends up with two of the most. Hey, it's not in- your turn right. yet. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Obsessed. Sorry. No, but yeah, it's like the situations that she finds herself in. It's like, how did you, how, how did you know that you were going to end up with like the wealthiest families? I mean, mm-hmm. between their son's name being Gunner and his primary hobby being fencing, I knew that they were rich. And then yes. the fact that they, that's some like white people stuff. And then the <laughs> fact that they, here's the thing, the true kicker, but obviously it's connected to the twist. My biggest like gripe in the beginning was how on earth are they not conducting a DNA test for this girl? Like mm. that, that is my assumption. That would be the first thing that they would want to do because, you know, like, I mean, I also listen to a lot of true, some true crime podcasts yeah. and and there's a lot of people out there who will like call into the hotlines and like, you know, like say that they know things or like, you know, try to not, I don't think many people try to pull themselves off and say like, Oh, I'm really your daughter. But like, mm-hmm. I do feel like DNA testing can, can, you know, mitigate this 
particular issue. Um, so it just, I, I wrote no fucking DNA test. They're obviously rich. What are they doing? Um, because it didn't make sense to me. Uh, my notes are unhinged. I'll just say that. Um, so is the therapist a like or a gripe? The therapist has a lot of expectations for this very young child who just experienced a trauma and seems very pushy. Um, so I didn't like how pushy she was and I don't feel like that's, I didn't feel like that was realistic and I don't know. I mean, I also like, I don't, I don't work with, you know, the police. I don't work in like crime. I mean, I, I have a history of criminal justice work, but I've never like worked directly like, with police. I'm sorry. It's not like you're going to say I have a history of crime, but. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So everyone has to do background check on me now. Um, I don't have a history of crime. I promise. But so um, Jamie, based on this, would the therapist Join our Hall of Fame of Bad Therapists? So I don't know. Okay. I, I don't think that she reaches the threshold of the other therapists, like, at all. Because, like, they were actively using their tools and skills for evil. And mm-hmm. that's that, I think, is what makes the Hall of Fame. I don't think that she was trying to be intentionally malicious. I just think that she was, like, I don't know. She was just very pushy and, like, caught up in you know, like this person's been missing and now they're found. And like, we want to get to the bottom of it. We want answers. We want explanations. And I Mm. would say that that's more, that feels more like her stuff and not the, not like Lena Esther's stuff. If that was truly Esther. So like the difference is like as a therapist, like, yeah, we're human. We're people. We want to know things, but are we asking questions because we want to know as like us, as us people, or are we asking questions as the us people? Are we asking questions as the therapist to try to like, you know, get context or help a client get clarity on something? Like there's a difference between the intention behind the work that we're doing. And, And this felt more, not selfish, I would say, but it felt more about the therapist wanting to know what happened versus trying to help the family and trying to help Esther with like processing the trauma of potentially being kidnapped and taken mm. across the world and going through this whole whole ordeal. So mm-hmm. I don't think that it makes the cut for worst therapists ever, but she, you know, she could use some of her own co- uh, consulting. Um, <laughs> the therapist could use a therapist. Yes, yes, for sure. <laughs> Um, and then my only other gripe was, uh, when Esther gets in the car and turns on the radio and then maniac is playing and she turns it all the way up. And I just wrote maniac. Really? (laughs) Yeah. Other than that, I loved, I will say, I love the plot twist. We fully paused the movie to like cackle and scream. It was, it was so exciting and I'll leave it at that. Amazing. Brian, <laughs> yeah. give it to us. My, my biggest gripe with this movie is that I'm sorry. She doesn't look like a child anymore. It's really... Mm-hmm. So here's the thing. It's really hard to stomach that everyone's just like, like, what did she say? She's like, does your mom work here? It's like, no, this looks like a 20-something woman. You know, like... And, and that's... And, and again... The campiness of like this, tw- 
the, where this movie is interesting and the like I have is that it just leans all the way into it. We saw behind the scenes photos where the whole cast is in platform heels to make her look shorter. Um, like Julia Stiles oh. and everyone's in like platforms. So like they make her look little. Um, it's how, clever. Yes. Mm. The they did lo- a Bobby double too. Oh, that's yeah. That's like the Hobbit. I was going to ask about, about that because <laughs> never mind. Yes. Uh, yes. Keep going. Sorry. Oh no. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. My, my other like in this movie is I think that the twist is so good and so wild that it, it totally distracts I know it's like halfway through, but it completely distracts from the fact that this doesn't look like a child. Like the mm-hmm. scenes with the dad and teaching her how to paint like are weird because like she looks like a 20 year old. She's like she was thir- 12 or 13 when they filmed the first one. Like exactly. the twist works, but that's not the twist in this one. And I appreciated that the movie had a twist. I literally my notes are broken into two. If you can see here the beginning <laughs> of the movie. Holy shit. And then after the twist. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I usually I hate stuff where it's like, like in, um, in Bohemian Rhapsody, he's like, it's like, uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, what if we all just clapped our hands and went boom, boom. Tsh, and it's just like, it's like, you like, you know, I just had an epiphany. It was a Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh, let's write a song about it. Like, I hate that stuff in like biopics yeah. and movies and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I loved it in this one. I thought that the dad was famous from that type of painting that like with the black light, I love that that's the song that she would hum in, yes, in, in the, the first bathtub. movie stuff. Mm-hmm. I would not have picked up on if I hadn't just watched the first orphan for the first time. Um, so that, um, a gripe I also have is, and this is a me thing. I hate liars in movies. Mm. It, it really makes me so upset when somebody lies to someone to like make them believe something else and manipulate them like Romeo and Juliet or, or orphan first kill you know the two comparable pieces of art from our uh, life from our um, our human race um but like i just hate when people lie and it like i don't know it that's just a me thing and i know this is movies and i know it's in the character but it, I, it just makes me feel yucky yeah, yeah. um <clears throat> i i liked just for the the twist and the hell of it i like that the second half of this movie was like she was the victim um Mm. also i do not gripe do not like animals dying even if it's a rat oh yeah um like the when when he called her a mutant grifter (laughs) great line (laughs) mutant grifter oh Oh, i thought some of the special effects were bad i don't remember when i wrote that oh oh when they're on the roof and it like looks like they're green screen or whatever it is um oh another like all macaws are parrots, but not all parrots are fucking macaws. Um, Great. Fantastic. Um, yeah. Um, the the f- guy who plays the father is Kiefer Sutherland's half-brother. Didn't know that until I looked it up. Um, nice. Also, this director directed one of my favorite horror movies and one of my least favorite horror movies, uh, the boy and Brom, the boy two Brahms or Brahms the boy two or whatever it is. Man, the boy, what a what a bop of a movie. Boy is Great. good. Brahms. We also stay alive. I have so much nostalgia for that movie. Mm. I've never seen it. Oh my also, god! It's like a video. What the video games? If you die in the video game, you die for real. Uh, okay. <laughs> also, gotcha. the director of the first movie also directed. Um, the Shallows, 
Um, if you've seen The Shallows, he, um, the shark movie with, um, what's her name? Um, Blake Lively, mm-hmm. which is actually very good. He directed the mm-hmm. remake of House of Wax, which is supposedly terrible. I've never seen it. Oh, man. Um, yeah, Chad Michael Murray and uh, Paris, Paris Hilton. Hilton. Yeah. He also directed a t- – this is an original orphan movie. Uh, they also directed a ton of those, like, action movies with Liam Neeson. And then they directed Jungle Cruise, which Jamie and I watched on Disney+. Plus. <laughs> And uh, the new, yeah, and then Black Adam coming out this fall. Oh, work! So like, these directors have movies that like I dig, and these two movies are like wild and have very different points of view. And Mm -hmm. I really, and that's my like that these two movies have very different points of view. Even though this is a prequel, we get a totally different twist. And I like that you, I like that you cannot watch these movies chronologically. You have to watch them in the order they came out chronologically, not timeline of the movies chronologically. Yes. I totally appreciate that because I feel like you can watch the star Wars movies like in like one, two, three, four, five, six, the, mm-hmm. the, the twists are ruined for you, but you can still like follow along. Whereas like the second movie is no good or not the second movie. The orphan movie is no mm-hmm. good because the twist is everything. Um, and and these two movies are excellent examples of how excellent acting, like excellent acting can save weird ass movies. Vera yes. Firminga is so good in that first movie um, that like anything else that ha- and sh- and um and what's her name as um orphan as Esther Isabel mm-hmm. Isabel is so good in that first that that I keep saying the first one, but you know what I mean. The, yeah, in the yes. first one in, yeah. in Orphan the original, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I. Overall, I had a blast watching this movie. Jamie and I were complaining at the beginning, like, this is just the same movie over again. And that twist, jaw on the floor, blew me away. I was all in for the second half of that movie, regardless of how good or bad it was. Um, And also, like, I think Connecticut is a dumb state. I think Connecticut (laughs) is just between New York, New Jersey, and Massachusetts, three awesome states. You know, they don't have a sports team. They're either, like... Boston fans or New York fans, they're like in between everything. It's just where people who have money go, as far as I'm concerned. Um, and and I love that she's picking off these Connecticut families. <laughs> just just because of your pure hatred for the state. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just like, oh, it's this extra couple of hours I need to do to get up into New England. Like, get out of my way, oh, Connecticut. Like, <laughs> I cannot. Oh my God. That was fantastic. Uh <laughs> I'm going to keep my likes and gripes short because one, you've said most of my likes and gripes and two, I can't wait to brains this because I have a thousand questions, but I will say that my main gripe and it ties into what Brian was saying about Esther and her age, but it wasn't necessarily her face that made me upset. (laughs) It Uh was the, the size difference because in some of the fuller shots when she's running to hug the parents or whatever, it it looks like it's a child body double. And then when she is doing her thing, it's, I mean, I, and I had to go online and look up her height she's five, three, you know, and it, you can just see that she is an older, taller person. And so the discrepancy of seeing her and then seeing the body double just was too apparent for me. And that kind of took me out of it a little bit. I also thought the same thing with watching this movie. At first, I was thinking, okay, this is going to be like the first one. All right. And I felt like it was moving really fast because 
she was getting revealed sooner than, you know, in the original orphan, which we don't get the reveal until, you know, totally. later, later on. So I was thinking, okay, well then what's about to happen? Because this is moving too fast as far as the plot of her getting found out. And so like everyone said, I love that it was because there was this other twist and the mom and all of the things. And I just love, I love shit like this. I love movies where you don't know who you're rooting for because everybody is bad. Yeah, totally. I love the, the campiness of it all, even with the special effects or whatever. And I think what you said, Brian is, is what's resonating most. It's the acting that really gets you out of the mindset of all the other little entities. And even with the therapist, art therapist at the beginning, of course she made awful decision. I didn't mind because the movie, you already know it's going to be so campy that I'm just always down for, if you're going to make a bad decision, but the movie is campy, great. But if the movie is trying to be super serious and you're making dumbass decisions, then that's when I get upset. So this one, I was like, oh yeah, of course she's going to be dumb and I love it. And she dies because she's dumb. Yeah. That's what this is. Yeah. <laughs> that's what the slasher <laughs> aspect of this is. People make dumb decisions and they die because of their dumb decisions. Um, I will yes. say Nikisha on that note, I'm, I'm, I'm texting you the picture of all them in platform heels standing next to her. Oh, please. Um, and two, something that you mentioned that I, I couldn't agree with more is the that the acting and the tone. And to go a step further, you're going to hate me for this. It reminds oh. me of Twilight. <laughs> in okay. that even though it's yes. a wild film, everybody's on the same page and they are all in the same movie with using the same tone, the director, the actors, the script, it all Mm -hmm. just works together. Whether you like it or not is a totally different, totally different like question, but the fact that it all tonally meshes and that's why it's an enjoyable experience. Even if the plot is wild, even if the twist is crazy overall, it is a tonally like concise piece and I really always appreciate that. And I think you're totally right. It comes down to, Number one, the actors need to be on the same page with each other and the director. You're a hundred percent right. Yeah. I mean, overall, I had a blast watching this. I'm happy also because I thought about should I watch Orphan First Kill and then rewatch the Orphan movie? But I'm happy that I watched uh OG Orphan, 2009 Orphan, and then this one because mm-hmm. it, it works out better that way, especially with the twist. I mean, it's just so it's so good. I'm about to watch this. Uh pull up this picture too but yes that's all i have to say for uh likes and gripes because i'm just gonna ask jamie a million things in our next section mm, brains <sighs> okay oh boy so th- a lot of these are going to bleed into one another but my first question has to deal with the fact that they stated that she was kidnapped at five, right? And then four years have passed. She is nine. Yes, math. And I just want to know about <laughs> uh, the development phase because the the actual therapist, not the art therapist, but her actual therapist um, said that four years is a long time in that age range to change. So that's why we can kind of forgive having an accent or with her intelligence kind of increasing. It's just because of all the trauma that she's gone through. So I just want to know, do you agree with that? Is four years a long time in the development of a child? Like, is it believable that she could have changed that much given the fact that she was kidnapped and the fact that the age ranges from five to nine? 
Yeah. I mean, this is like so hard because, you know, my knowledge of like child development is like not, it's just not my area of like focus, Mm -hmm. but like, I feel like, I mean, that feels like such a significant period of time where that does feel like there could be a possibility that things like an accent or, you know, like other, I mean, there's some things that seem wildly far-fetched, like actual skills that she is very excellent at, like piano playing and her art. And painting, yeah. Yeah, like those things, like her creative skills seem wildly advanced for how old? I don't even know how old she's supposed to be, seven? Uh, Oh, right, because this is, yeah. Two years before Orphan, right? So she's seven? Oh, yeah, yes, Mm mm-hmm. If I'm, am eight. I, is that right? Oh, let me check my notes. Yeah, she's either seven or eight in this because she can't be nine because she's nine years old when in she's adopted an orphan. Right. Unless but this, just, isn't this two years before? It is two years before, but then that wouldn't make sense. They said that she uh, got kidnapped at five and then that, and that four years had passed. So is she just, was in the, in the first orphan movie, was she just saying, I'm just nine again? Do you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. She could be, I mean, I guess oh none God. of it matters. What is wrong with that? <laughs> what is wrong with that? Well, she's 32. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Doing math that, no, like, doesn't matter. No paperwork. <laughs> what are we talking about? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> That is so funny. Oh, boy. Okay. Well, now that we have that moment, um, I mean, generally, if she's, like, around – if she's supposed to be, like, eight-ish. Yeah. I mean, I I think that some of it could be possible. And the memory thing is also interesting, like, the fact that – in her sessions with the therapist, the therapist is like asking, do you remember these events that happened? Mm-hmm. Do you remember these things? And I, I mean, I think for some people, long-term memory can start to develop, you know, like for, I mean, probably more likely at a little bit later, like six, but like, it's not, okay. I mean, like you develop a sense of self and like much earlier on. And so like, for you to kind of then remember like these experiences with other people. I, mm. I mean, again, if, if we're saying that she's like, maybe she's smart and like very advanced for her age, like, yeah, maybe okay. uh-huh. that makes sense. Um, so I don't think it's like totally out, out of the box that she yeah. could change and develop in those four years. Yeah. Quote, but the piano kidnapped. thing and the painting yeah. thing definitely seem like, wild okay but and and you're also saying that you can develop kind of core memories that you could remember long term you said at four or five yeah like depending on the child but also like I think I mean it doesn't even seem like there's like for some reason they're like yeah do you remember this do you remember that and it's like I don't think she's gonna remember everything right so like that kind of bothered me because it's like they're just picking random experiences that they had. Like mm-hmm. how how did we know that these are like the specific core experiences that are going to be like, you know, the ones that they'll – That they'll keep within them. That will yes. stick in their head. Yes, of um, course. So like that seemed uh, strange. 
Um, but I guess part of that was just like, because Julia Stiles, the mom is like trying to make sure that they, you know, have their ruse down effectively and Mm -hmm. they don't get, they don't get caught. (laughs) Which is totally wild because I absolutely could, I I know I couldn't have remembered at 10 years old what I did when I was five years old. And it's so true. Like you said, you don't know if the same memories that someone else had would be the ones that you keep in the situation. We all remember things differently. It could be the same event with facts, but it's all, you remember stuff differently. I'll say milestones are like wild, like the, the, Spectrum for milestones is also like very different for each child. And like while there are, you know, like there's like a general trajectory that like kids can follow, it's not necessarily even like a a marker for like your kid is behind or your kid is like so – like, you know, every kid develops differently even within like the the bucket of like your kid could do this or they're not doing it yet. But like that doesn't necessarily mean anything just yet and like – right. It's just, you know, so like maybe again, maybe she was super advanced for her age if that's what they're playing at. Mm. But yeah. yeah. Anyway, I interrupted <laughs> you, Brian. No, I all I was gonna say is a lot of my memories from youth from like very young are based on photographs of those moments. Um, mm. or at least photographs during those vacations or whatever it is. In addition yeah. to I've heard the story a million times. I do not think I actually remember any of that situation from my perspective. It has all been constructed through stories and photographs. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, that's, Mm -hmm. it's a lot, a lot of life happening and yeah, what your brain chooses to keep and not keep, it's also not up to you either. (laughs) So sure. Mm -hmm. uh, the next question I had, is there an age that is too young to start therapy? Because they insinuate in this, that the therapist has known her, when she was five said yeah because you had the parrot and the thing and you know whatever so do you think that's too young to start therapy especially I guess if if nothing if you're not dealing with any specific trauma yeah I mean not necessarily I think like you know for one therapy doesn't have to be reserved only for trauma for young people Mm -hmm. um there could be other other situations potentially that might warrant or just like, you know, how, how adults can use therapy for different things. How can, how can kids benefit from developing that type of relationship early in life? Mm. Um, but like, I mean, before I answer that question, there's like so many other gaps for me in this family dynamic that Mm. like, I wish I knew about that make me wonder what about that contributes to potentially Esther being in therapy that young. We don't yeah. know if nothing traumatic happened. Gunner, in my opinion, is a fucking psychopath. So, yes. You know, I or not well, I guess we'll talk about that, yeah. but there's something up with Gunner and I would wonder if like does that then you know, warrant Esther, the real Esther oh, going real. into therapy yeah. early in, in her childhood, um, because of that. So like, because there's so much missing from that convert, from that like family history, mm-hmm. um, I feel like maybe there could be something that happened, but to answer your actual question, I don't think that there's <clears throat> any like developmentally inappropriate age for a child to, to start therapy. Um, I think that like, you know, I I think we talked about this in a previous episode that there's like 
other tools and techniques that therapists can use to work with like very young children, um, like play therapy and sand therapy, sandbox Mm -hmm. therapy and things like that. So like using different tools to help communicate with kids, even when like they can't necessarily communicate in the same way that adults can, but like that there are still things that they can do to, um, to like support them and, and help them, you know, make sense of different situations. Right. No, that, that absolutely makes sense. So with adopting a child, is it a requirement for that child to go to therapy when they are adopted into a new home? Conversely, in um, orphanages, is there a therapist on staff? Do they have to go and see a, a therapist? In, Sh- shouldn't in you know places? that, Eliza Hamilton? Oh, <laughs> First private yeah, orphanage that in New the York training? City. Yeah. <laughs> that place is still open, by the way. I like after after I no first way. watched Hamilton, I was like, I gotta I didn't I didn't read the book that he that what oh, that no. Lynn Manuel read. So like Mm-mm. I'm I'm gonna do some Googling. And it still exists. And oh it's like gosh. a it's like a child welfare nonprofit in the city. They like That's expanded awesome. from being the orphanage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Not to be so. confused with the spectacular horror movie, The Orphanage. <laughs> Have you ever seen that, Nikisha? I've seen uh, it on streaming sites, but I have mm. not sat and watched it. Oh, that's a good one. We may need to, we'll talk about that. That's one of my, okay. that's like a top 10 horror movie for me. Really? Yeah, it's okay. just that's it's a, spectacular. Yeah, that's an excellent one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, all right. Anyway, back to the you. <laughs> Uh, yes. Um, so therapy yeah, for adopted kids. Yeah. yeah. So, <clears throat> so I actually, I know I said that I haven't commit crimes, but did <laughs> work in criminal justice. But before I did that, I had the, the briefest of stints in child welfare mm. and I worked for a foster care agency. So I, wow. I was like, oh, I, I think I even said this to Brian while we were watching this. I was like, oh, I, I know a thing or two about this, this process. And mm can can hopefully recall some memories not from early childhood but from that experience. Yeah. Um and so yeah, I think it totally depends on it depends on like the context of that situation. Um so like for some adoptions they maybe it's not a requirement for therapy. For some it is. Like a judge mm. might might uh make a court order that the child and the birth parent or the adoptive parent seek individual therapy or family therapy yeah. um, to to like you know talk through this this very big life transition um, and and that's I mean I know that this focuses on adopting like I mean orphan specifically highlights adopting like an older child yeah. um, and like how that can also be like stressful both for the child and the parents. But in the, in the foster, when I worked in child welfare, I actually worked in um, the, what they called like a therapeutic foster care program. So it was actually foster care for, um, for kids that like did have mental health concerns and things like that. And there Mm -hmm. was like additional requirements for foster parents and adoptive parents to do if they wanted to foster and adopt these children in this program. And okay. so like that did include like required classes and trainings that they had to do um, 
So I think it depends on like the, <clears throat> the facility that the, the potential parents are adopting from, mm-hmm. like the rules that the facility has, also the rules of the court if the judge requires certain things. I've had to – and m- in the program that I worked at, most of the youth that I was working with were not younger children. Most of them were actually – on the verge of aging out of foster care, which is, which in New York is um, actually 21. So you can sign yourself, you can choose to remain in foster care between the ages of 18 to 21. Um, And there's actually a lot of like, there's a lot of benefits that, that you have access to as somebody who chooses to remain in foster care between Mm -hmm. those ages. Like I think you get priority pick for like NYCHA housing and things like that. The goal at that point is less adoption, more independent living. Yeah. Um, but again, it's like, you know, there's still a team, there's still social workers, there's still like other um, folks in the case managers that are involved in like supporting youth to make sure that like they, if they want to finish school, like what do they need to finish school? Do they need right. help with like doctor's appointments or other appointments that they might have? you know, encouraging them to continue with therapy, all of these things. So like, you know, I, I'm talking about foster care, but I imagine that a lot of that also looks very similarly, um, you know, with these other dynamics. Yeah. With these other dynamics too. Wow. That is really interesting because honestly in, as a 33 year old, I've definitely looked into, uh, wanting to just adopt as opposed mm-hmm. to have like kids on my own. So it is interesting hearing that aspect. And even after watching this movie, I have, <laughs> I absolutely think that because I want to adopt, you know, around the eight, nine age yeah. range. <clears throat> and I think that I would absolutely also have a therapist and family sure. therapy with that. Totally. I feel like that is something that should be, that should be required just to get everybody on the same page for, yeah. for things. It just goes to show that we can watch movies like Orphan, we could watch movies like The Night House and still want to adopt and own a lake house. <laughs> lake houses and parlors. I'm sure there was oh, a parlor somewhere in, in that we house. We want so much. These Honestly, <laughs> watching these horror movies is probably worse for our like finances in terms of like, you know what? Right. I want a parlor. I want a lake house. I mm-hmm. wa- I, I'm going to adopt. Adopt, yeah. Not, uh-huh. not, not that that movie made you want to, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, I think, yeah. All right, but gonna, it definitely did yeah. make me, I didn't think about um, therapy for the child. Mm-hmm. So the movie did make me think, oh yeah, that would be something that I am now absolutely going to do. When I totally. adopt, it, I will have a family therapist and we will all be up in that place. Have, having all the discussions. Have <laughs> I got a therapist for you? No, it's not going to be yeah, me. No, I can't, I can't be. I understand that. <laughs> Okay, continuing on the the therapy train, let's talk about in the first movie, they diagnose Esther with antisocial personality disorder. Mm-hmm. I just want you to talk about that and how that is different from borderline personality disorder. So let's get into that DSM-5. Woo! DSM-5. That wasn't Brian. That was Jamie talking about the diagnostic Statistical manual? I don't remember what the S stands for. We're just going to say... Oh, yeah. Statistical manual. Yeah. Of mental disorders. Um, (laughs) We are on the fifth edition. Um, Fun fact, I still don't own this book because it's expensive. (laughs) 
Somebody, I only have <laughs> the fourth edition um, because it was cheaper. Yes. Um, but uh, so antisocial personality disorder. So um, I would say the, I mean, this is like what people, when people are talking about like sociopaths or psychopaths, this is, yes. this is kind of what they're talking about um, when it comes to like the actual diagnosis. Um mm. They so fun fact because I think it relates back to this movie. Um, Esther or Lena is actually 32, so it makes sense that she would have this diagnosis because you have to be at least 18 years old to receive Ooh, this diagnosis. Okay, but if they're viewing Esther as Esther, the fill in the blank year old, nine year old, eight year old, yeah. TBD, um. She she wouldn't be able to get this diagnosis um, okay. if they're viewing her as a child. Um, right. But there's other <clears throat> there's like other things like for child conduct disorder or like oppositional defiance disorder are like child specific diagnoses, mm-hmm. but also with a lot of observation and therapy before getting to those places. But like sometimes those might more so conduct disorder might be like the precursor to. Um, an antisocial personality disorder diagnosis at 18. Mm, okay. Um, the main areas of uh, functioning that are impacted are um, – this website calls it self-functioning. I don't know why it calls that. But the idea of like not, not being able to uh, like empathize with others, not being able to mm-hmm. – um, take any like accountability for their actions. Like they're only pursuing things in service of themselves. Yeah. And so they're only thinking about themselves. The focus is on like what they want, what they need, their own personal gratification. Um, and, and like, you know, the sense of, of positive self-esteem they get from like pursuing and getting what they want. Um, and then the other piece is about like lacking remorse, lacking empathy. Um, they're, there's just like a fundamental inability to create connection because of that lack of empathy um, and not being able to like, you know, feel how other people feel. Yeah. Um, So those are like the two big things that like kind of define antisocial personality disorder um, as well as like, you know, general emotional detachment. Like just, again, they can't, if they can't empathize with other people, it's also hard for them to like actually feel certain things. Mm -hmm. And so like, you know, sometimes like anecdotally people will say that they learn how to, um, like fake it, like pretend, um, they can see how other people like portray certain emotions. And so like, that's how they learn to kind of navigate through life because like they themselves aren't actually feeling those things, but you know, they don't, they they don't want to like seem out of place, and so like right. they learn Nobody's how to. Nobody's mad about this. Let me be. Let me act like I'm sad too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, wild. So so yeah. So those are those are some some things of note. Um, borderline personality disorder. Um, there's a lot of. I mean, I will also say for all of for all personality disorders carry a significant stigma um, mm. generally. I would say BPD carries like the most stigma because it's probably the the most commonly diagnosed of the personality disorders. Okay. And, and like there is, I would say 
I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of stigma within like the therapy world when it comes to BPD um, Mm -hmm. and like therapists saying that they don't want to work with this population. I'm not saying all therapists, but like as a therapist, I have encountered many therapists that say they don't want to work with this population. Mm. Um, And part of that is like some of the characteristics include um, a just like very – well, one, like a hard time regulating emotions um, and like are very dysregulated, um, prone to like intense feelings of like worthlessness, um, Mm -hmm. fear of abandonment. And that really impacts – how their connections with people go. Um, they might, uh, they might not like lash out, but like at any minor slight, like take it very personally and like fully disconnect from someone and be like, you're done. We're done. Our relationship is done. Mm. Um, and again, some of that can stem from the fear of abandonment and like at the feeling of the slight is like, I'm just going to like fully like disconnect from that person even before, the real abandonment may occur. Right. Um, right. So, uh, so yeah, like there's, there can be a, a history of, um, not the most stable of relationships, um, low self-esteem, self-harm, but like non-suicidal self-harm behaviors like cutting, um, some, uh, like risky behaviors. Um, so I would say like, those are kind of the two big, uh, I, I don't even know if I would describe those as differences, but like that's just kind of how they they look like. What yeah, mm-hmm. what it looks like. So, do you think that they were right in saying that Esther, because the 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 Sarn institution that she came from was the one who said yes, antisocial, mm-hmm. because they know that she's in she's a grown woman. Do you feel like this movie presented that well or not? Um, I mean. I, it's interesting because in both movies, there's this, there is this desire, like she, she wants some kind of like romantic companionship. Right. Um, and, and we see her like, you know, feel something for these men that, that are playing the role of like her father, Mm -hmm. um, or adoptive father. And, but like, she is clearly attracted to them which like speaks to some degree of like can form an emotional connection, even though it's based on a lie, there's still real feeling there, which is interesting. I don't know if it like necessarily, you know, falls under a bucket of like, does that then make it more in line? Like is the needle then moving closer to BPD versus um, antisocial? But like, I, I think there's also, I mean, she's, very quick to anger and like mm-hmm. does not think through her actions um like most of the time <laughs> yeah. um like the only time like it's weird because there's sometimes where she seems super calculated and then other times where she- it's just like you just changed your clothes you're totally clean but then you just smack this person over the head with this yes. like poker and now you got blood all over your clean clothes again again you shower again oh, like so mad you think about that yes. like i just don't understand i don't understand why yeah so like there's just like this thoughtlessness in some moments mm-hmm. but then like this very intentional relationship building in other moments when she like wants to get closer to these men so 
And is it like, I mean, sure, some of it is manipulative, but I think it is coming from a genuine place of like wanting to connect with them or just being sexually attractive. I don't know, but there's yeah. still like something. So I, I, I mean, I think she more likely falls under the antisocial personality disorder bucket. Okay. And last question, super quick. My favorite question. <laughs> Let's talk about the mother and the son, Billy or Stu. Are they two Billies? Are they two Stu's? <laughs> Are they one in and one in one? Tell me about it because that is right. a whole nother the whole nother thing. Yeah. Again, there's so much more that I would love to know about what on earth is going on with this family. However, yes. Julia Styles is one thousand percent a Billy. She right. is like way calculated and like very intentional and thoughtful about everything that she's doing mm-hmm. and very and just verbalized like yeah, I'm, I like, this is the plan. And like, yeah. I will go through great lengths to stick with this plan and make it work. And honestly loved, loved the montage of her being like, I'm going to train you how to be a child and yes. we're going to get away with this. I love that. Um, so I think she's a Billy. Um, and I think that Gunner, the fencer is a stew. I think even the scene where he throws fake Esther down the stairs and Julia Stiles is like, oh my God, what do you do? And he's like, "Uh, I don't know. Uh, She's uh." like, (laughs) like he freaks out and, and like, like he's, he like, he's just way more impulsive, Mm -hmm. which is like why I'm like, oh, is this what happened with, with his actual sister? Like he just like got upset and just like flung her, like did whatever and was like, just went into a rage, had no control and like lost it. And then, yeah. So like he is not calculated. I think he's too stupid and impulsive mm-hmm. um, and shouldn't be learning fencing. And Also like, that. Maybe what? pick a less murdery adjacent sport. Not yeah. that fencing is murdery. Is As someone murdery, who has not commit like, crimes, oh. I can't speak to fencing. <laughs> but, I, you know, I don't know. Wait, so remind me. Billy... Billy Loomis from uh, Skeet Ulrich Scream, from right. Scream is the mm-hmm. which path is he? The psycho, the, the psychopath, I believe. Right. Yes. And and Stu Mocker, aka Matthew Lillard in Scream, is the is sociopath. The sociopath, okay. yeah. Yes. So psychopath, more cal- a little bit more calculated. Sociopath, a little bit more like impulsive Unhinged. rage. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I, I, this is my new favorite segment, Billiards too. <laughs> I'll make Fantastic. a for, for our next episode. I'll make a I'll make a whole thing, but for this one, it's just uh, just us saying it. Love it, beautiful. Great. Well, great. Ooh. Let's rotten tomatoes this. I know I've asked Jamie all the things. I could ask you ten more questions, no, but we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up. <laughs> this is this was a this was a there's a lot going on in this. I'm, I'm happy to talk about it. <laughs> Okay, Rotten Tomatoes. What do you think the rotten... You know what? Uh, Guess both of them. Orphan and Orphan First Kill. Great. Mm. What do you think Orphan has? And what do you think Orphan First Kill has? Okay, so I want 2% answers from you. Nikisha. I think that Orphan OG09 is an 83. I'm just going to throw that number out there. Took it and I think <laughs> first kill 
I'm going to say 89. All right. Jamie. <gasps> Spooky dog just walked in. Oh, yeah. Truly you, scared. You probably hey, heard him. You heard him on my end getting up and like shaking out. And then he went mm-hmm. up to Jamie upstairs. Oh, man. Um, man, I was going to say the same first number. Um, so I'm going to say 81 for Orphan. And I'm going to say... What was your number? 89. Oh, okay. Um, I'm going to say uh, 73. Okay. So, <clears throat> the original Orphan movie from 2009 has a 57% on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> oh, what are y'all thinking? Oh, wow. The, the audience score is a little bit higher at 63. Okay. But the critics' consensus, again, this is for the original Orphan movie, is while it has moments of dark humor and the requisite scares, Orphan fails to build on its interesting premise and degenerates into a formulaic degenerates, not degenerates, degenerates <laughs> into a formulaic sleazy horror thriller. I don't think that's bad. Yeah, I don't I don't necessarily agree with that. Okay, so that at a 57. Orphan first kill, 71%. It's fresh, oh, baby. Wow. Um, it has a 73% audience score, which Jamie said 73%. Um, the critics' consensus is leaning into its ludicrous premise, Orphan First Kill is a sequel that holds its own and for fans of campy horror may even represent an improvement on the original. Hmm. I think they're both equally great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, did you, here's a question. Do you like the first one better or do you like this one better? You know, honestly, I feel that I... The main reason I loved the second one is only because of the first one. So I can't take them apart as a soul. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So I, I have to say that I like them I like them equally because of their relationship with each other. I don't think that the the, the second one or the first one is better than the other. It's just mm. I think that it should be a whole package and everyone should sit for four hours and watch yeah. all of it straight through and that is the whole thing. Sure. That is your homework assignment. Yeah. Yes. Jamie, do you have a preference? Um, I mean, re-watching the first one, I forgot like how uh, – we've watched a lot of movies lately that just like make me very uncomfortable. Mm. Mm. This made me – it makes you very uncomfortable the way that she is treating those kids. Um, and so I, I, I did like the second one more because there was less of that. Mm. But I liked the twist because – yeah, the twist made me feel a little bit better because I wasn't like empathizing with Esther. I was just like, okay, like you got got now, and like right. that makes me feel a little mm. better. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Brian? Um, I agree with you, Nikisha. I think the, I think my watch of the second one was more fun and better, and I think the second one maybe is a better movie overall. Um, but I'm I'm I actually agree with Nikisha when it comes to like. They're a package. The sec- first kill is enjoyable because you got the twist of the first one and you've settled. Mm-hmm. And then the second one ups on that twist. I don't think the second one is nearly as powerful on as individual watch. Um, right. 
Uh, I also think that Vera Farmiga in the first one where she um, just the concept of like her husband cheats. She doesn't have a a, a relationship with him. They lost the baby. She's an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. All of that and what they're dealing with. Like it's very easy to miss the things that might be happening with your this adopted child when like there's so much going on in your architectural beautiful house. Because um, mm-hmm. I think he's an architect in that or whatever. Um, yeah, because she, she was a music teacher or whatnot. And like, she was allowed to like not work and like, they still had enough to like be in that house. She taught at Yale. Yeah. Um, so, so I agree with that. That was my long winded answer of being like, there are things I like about both, but the, the second twist doesn't work as well. If you didn't see the first twist, in my opinion, Mm -hmm. cause the, 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 the strength of the second one is that it doesn't repeat the first one. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. Exactly. Should we do the four S's? Yes. Yes. Skull, scare, shakes, and suggestions. The talking horns, four S's. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, the four S's are skulls, scares, shakes, and suggestions, where we are ranking these, how well the movie does these, one through ten. Um, so let's start with Nikisha this time. Nikisha, um, skulls, uh, scares, shakes, and suggestions. We'll hold off on your suggestions. What would you get? We're just going to do orphan first kill. Great. For skulls, I have said this before, but I rank these based on how well we can discuss mental health on this podcast, not necessarily how they portray mental health and human behavior. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to give this a six because I had a lot to fucking talk about <laughs> for <laughs> scares. It wasn't scary as it was just very tense. So I'm going to give it a three and for shakes, I'm going to give it a seven because of the twist. And I will say it is, I don't know if you felt awkward in this at all, but just watching it in general, I felt awkward and icky that this it's a girl and her interactions with these grown men yeah even though especially because when she was an actual the actor was a child and then interacting with these older men it was just very and i don't know Mm -hmm. that's i can't shake that because Mm -hmm. that was really creepy but yeah all right jamie so for skulls, I gave it a five. Um, yes. It lost like, ugh, man, half the points just from the whole beginning of this movie. <laughs> um, but I, I agree. I think that like there's something to these fruitful discussions that we're able to have about these movies and especially a movie like this where there's just so much to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say like, yeah, some of the decisions in the beginning – don't really make sense for me. So it loses five points. Um, Scares. This movie isn't really scary. I gave it a three um, more so because I guess I've just let my brain like go down a rabbit hole of like, what did Gunner do? Like what's, what's his deal? What did he do? He's messed up. I want to know more. And like that freaks me out. Um, Were you going to say something? Oh my, this is a guess. Total guess. My feeling was that he was having some sort of PTSD when he threw her down the stairs because the he started to freak out when he throws S, when he throws fake Esther down the stairs. I can imagine that like they got into a similar like scuffle and he threw her down the stairs and like broke her neck or something like that. Oh. That that's my guess. 
Oh, only because it's the only moment in the in the movie that like he kind of has a moment to himself. Um, mm-hmm. And th- that that but that's total me doing my own narrative in my head, filling in the blanks. I know the movie is not very clear about that. Yeah, I can buy that. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, where was I? Your oh, shakes. 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 Yeah. Thank you. Um, so I'm going to give this a six. Uh, that twist was nuts. That twist, I I truly like. I was like giddy when it happened. It just like it was really exciting. I think it was one of the first times in a very long time that I was truly shocked by a movie. I also mm-hmm. did not cheat. I did not read the plot summary ahead of this. So like, yeah. truly was actually wildly surprised. Yes. Yeah, it was also interesting because I, I don't know why I didn't do it to myself this time, but usually I'm like, <laughs> well, Julia Stiles is a well-known actress. Like, I feel like she wouldn't have signed on to just be like the rich mom who gets duped because Vera Farmiga yeah. signed mm-hmm. on to the first one and she she was the rich mom that got duped, but there was a lot more layers to her character with the, right. you know, with the um, the stillborn and like all of that stuff. And so, but I I just ignored it because like, it's just an orphan movie, whatever. And then the twist came. I was like, you dumb idiot. Of course they hired her to like be this psycho, to be the stew. No, be the Billy. Mm -hmm. Like, anyway. um, So for me, Skulls is a three. Uh, Mm -hmm. I I just, I just think it does more harm to a lot of these things and it helps it. Mm -hmm. Um, Although I agree with Nikisha. We had some spectacular discussions here today. Um, Yes scares not scary i gave it a two um what scares me the most is that like now i'm gonna get nervous every time i eat mac and cheese um oh no and then uh, uh <laughs> shakes 6.5 this this was a memorable like this was a twisty that i i'll yeah whether or not i remember this whole movie i will absolutely remember um the the moment of the twist and the moment that Jamie and I had and like pausing it jaws on the floor having literally mm-hmm. just talked about how this is just the first movie again and then like two seconds later when she's when when she shows like, up at the cops house I was like what are we doing here I'm like oh no first I thought you said it earlier in this episode <laughs> Nikisha where you were like the reveal happened too early like yes like. She found the book and she realized that the starting suit, like we're halfway through the movie. Like I was very confused. And then that scene happened. I was like, Oh, I have goosebumps right now. Just thinking about this. Yes. Wild. It's um, so good. All right. Let's go through <laughs> suggestions. Um, uh, Jamie, let's start with you. Will you have a suggestion for this movie to pair with it? I, I do. And I had forgotten it. And then I remembered it again. So I'm really Yay. happy that I did. Cause I mentioned it or you mentioned it. And then I was like, Oh yes, I did watch that movie. I will suggest that. So thanks to you, producer Brian, <laughs> I am going to recommend case 39 starring oh. Renee Zellweger as a social worker. <laughs> I haven't watched that either. Hmm. Oh, it's, uh, it's fine, but it does very much pair well with this. Okay. Work. I'm going to be mm-hmm. easy slash cheat. I mean, you just have to, you have to do them as a pair. Orphan and, and Orphan yeah. First Kill. I think that's, I, you have to. You have to. That's Agreed. my suggestion. You have to. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with that, that 90s hit from actors Macaulay Culkin and Elijah Wood, The Good Son. I have never hmm. seen that. Oh, you, okay. I won't say anything more than that. Essentially, like, okay, okay, okay. 
um, Macaulay Culkin and and Elijah Wood when they're young, um, yeah. are playing like cousins where the Macaulay Culkin ends up living with his cousin's family because um, his mother dies and it's mm. it's some devious stuff happens. So it kind of mm-hmm. sounds like uh, what the Glass House. <laughs> Which one's the Glass House? Um, what is her name? I I have to find the actress. Brie Larson. When... No, 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 no. But oh, this, that's the Glass Castle. Yes, the How many glass these, things are there. Um, brother they and sister, their Mr. parents glass. die. <laughs> Uh, and their fam- and their parents' friends. Oh, Lily Sobieski. Yes, yes. What she, is, what else was she in? Lily Sobieski was in that um that Joan of Arc made for TV movie. I That's, think yes, yes, her. Mm-hmm. But she's also famously, of course, in the incredible film. Well, she's in Deep Impact, but the incredible film Never Been Kissed. Oh, she's the friend. Yeah. So long. Drew Barrymore's friend. She's also in Joyride. But anyway, back to Lily Sobieski in the glass. I was like, she was in something scary ish adjacent. Cool. Fantastic. Yeah. Great. So that is all of our time with this wonderful film with a capital F because you all (laughs) need to watch this. There's. Uh, so many good things. Uh, you can follow us on all social medias and now the YouTubes uh, at Talk Horror Pod for our social medias. Find us on TikTok and Twitter and Instagram and message us and talk to us about how you felt about this episode or how you felt about the movies we've discussed and all the things or just say hi. Uh, mm-hmm. But make sure you subscribe and follow us. And Brian, where can they listen to us? Yeah, listen to us wherever you can get podcasts. So that includes Spotify, that includes Stitcher, that includes Google, that includes all the places where podcasts exist. Uh, mostly we're on Apple. I mean, we're on mostly all of them, but we're on all of them. Um, but Apple Podcasts, uh, rate and review us. Five stars, please. Um, thank you. And thank you. Uh, yeah. Brian, run us back that quote from the beginning that you Oh, uh, which one? Like. I forgot which one, but it was great. All macaws are parrots, but not all mm-hmm. parrots are fucking macaws. Yes. And then, of course. Bam, mic drop. Of course. <laughs> Yeah, he calls her a mutant grifter. <laughs> grifter. A mutant love grifter. I oh, love it. All right. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye.